You're listening to Stepping Stones of Faith. I'm Pastor Josh. I would like to invite you to embark with me on a journey, a journey of biblical study. Through practical application of the Word of God, it is my prayer that you grow in greater relationship with God through His Son, Jesus Christ. Please join me as we journey to the next Stepping Stone of Faith. The invisible things, His power... His deity have been all been made clearly since the creation of the world made so that they may they are without excuse. We have no excuse. The only way we can say there is no God is out of pure ignorance and out of pure uh, re- rebellion against God. Romans chapter 1, starting in verse 16, and we'll try to see how far we can get. Um, 16 and 17 is is what I call a pericope, which is a a thought pattern. Uh, That that is a 50-cent word I learned in seminary, okay? That doesn't mean anything. It just means it's it's a thought. It's called a pericope. Which is, you know, it's a fifty, yeah, yeah, it's a fifty cent word, okay. Um, but we're going to go ahead and we're going to read from sixteen, following down, um, probably to twenty-five. So let's start reading here. For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. Did, did we do this last week? Seems familiar, unless I'm studying it. As well, I'm studying it as well. For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes, to the Jew first, and then also to the Greek. For if in for in it is the righteousness of God revealed from faith to faith, and it is written, as it is written, the just shall live by faith. That was in Sunday school. That's where I'm reading it from. Sunday school. The wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who who suppress the truth through unrighteousness. For what may be known about God is clear to them since God has shown it to them. The invisible things about him, his eternal power and deity have been clearly clearly since ever seen since the creation of the world and are understood by the things that are made so that they are without excuse because although they knew God they did not glorify him or give thanks to him as God but because futile because futile in their imaginations and their foolish hearts were darkened Claiming to be wise, they became fools. They changed the glory of the incorruptible God into an image made like corruptible man, birds, four-footed beasts, and creeping things. Therefore God gave them up to uncleanness through the lusts of their hearts to dishonor their own bodies among themselves. They turned the truth of God into a lie and worshiped and served the creature rather than the creator who is blessed forever. Amen. Now, there's a lot here in these nine verses, ten verses, that 
you step back and you look at the 2019 America, 2019 world, not just America, you see this pictured in our societies today. A lot of things that are acceptable now were acceptable then. And we talked about it last week. The Roman Empire is now gone because God had enough with them. And if our hearts and our country and our world does not change, God, of course, and one day will be enough, have enough with us, and the church will be raptured out and the rest will be gone, and God will create something new with us. And so right now we are given a reprieve as believers, a time to share the word of God with those that are in our midst that we could help them to understand that God is greater than the sin that they are bent toward or the sin they are stuck in, and God is greater than all of it. And so we are given this opportunity this very hour to do that. Not this very hour at 11 o'clock, but this very hour, this day in which we live, to do that. But what does he say? He says, I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. Last week I asked that question. Are we ashamed? When we go out and, and, and we are faced with the idea that God has given us this idea, this time, such a time as this, to share our faith with God, with, of God, with people, are we ashamed? Do we fear the reaction of man more than we fear the reaction of God? That's a question we have to answer. Because if we fear the reaction of man, if we fear the idea that, oh my goodness, they're going to talk bad about me behind my back, and oh my goodness, they're going to call me names, and oh my goodness, in a way, we are then ashamed of the gospel of Christ. Paul said he is not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, and he is, his life proved that. So many things he lived through, so many things he endured for the gospel because he was not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. And that question is begged of us, are we ashamed? Are we ashamed? Now he goes on and he begins to then lay out this guilt of mankind that God uh, sees on all of our hearts we are not immune. You and I are not immune. We're human. We live in a human, sin-fallen world, and therefore we are not immune to these feelings, although we are to bring them to God and allow God to minister to us. Verse 16, 18. The wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and righteousness of men who suppress the truth through unrighteousness. That is a fact. That is a fact. God is against anyone who is against him. After all, the Bible does say that if we are not a believer, we're an enemy of God. We have enmity with God if we are not a believer. We're an enemy of God. He is against those who are not with him. Either you're with him or you're against him. For what may be known about God is clear to them since God has shown it to them. 
This has been, hopefully, in the last two years I've been here, I've portrayed God clearly to you. There that the choice would be made. And even if I was not here to share it with you, if you're in the Scripture, it is portrayed clearly in the Scripture. Thereby we are to make a decision of how we're going to react and how we're going to change or how we're going to, to look at what God has given us and how we're going to, what choices we're going to make. He is saying that mankind has perverted God, have, has chosen to go the other direction. What do we choose? For what may be known about God is clear to them since God has made it, show, has shown it to them. The invisible things about him, his eternal power and deity have been clearly seen since the creation of the world and are understood by the things that are made so that they are without excuse. Nobody can say, well, I didn't know. I didn't understand. I didn't know God. I didn't see God. Well, creation speaks of God. The fact that when fall comes and everything turns brown and goes dormant and is dormant and then it comes back up and is green is a showing of God. Only God can create life. Only God can create life. And therefore, Every season like that, God creates life. <clears throat> Jesus said that the, the birds of the air don't toil, they don't work, they don't do all these things, but yet God feeds them. How do they get their food? God gives them the ability to get it. God is shown in his creation. It is clear. It is clear. And yet we so often... Don't get, give God the credit in which God deserves. We deserve zero credit. You realize that? We deserve zero credit. The invisible things, his power, his deity have been all been made clearly since the creation of the world made so that they, may, they are without excuse. We have no excuse. The only way we can say there is no God is out of pure ignorance and out of pure uh, re rebellion against God because God is everywhere you look. God is everywhere you look. I did this one time with the youth and I'm going I'm to kind of give you a shortened version of it. Now, if you look at these pews, these pews are made of wood. The wood comes from trees. The trees grow in the ground. Who made the trees? God. If you look at a building, a building is brick and mortar. Brick and mortar. Where does the brick come from? Clay. Clay's in the ground. Where does clay come from? From the earth. Who created the earth? God. God created all of it. We are not without excuse. And if we say there is no God, it's out of ignorance or rebellion. 
And if we're ignorant to that fact, then it's up to those of us around that person that's ignorant of that fact to be shown that God is real. It is up to us. It is up to us. Verse 21, he says, Because although they knew God, they did not glorify Him or give thanks to Him as God, but became futile in their imaginations, and their foolish hearts were darkened. God became, became second place. And, then, and then, then eventually, last place or no place at all. God became nothing to them. They did not give God glory for anything that they had. Although James says that, we are, that everything good we have comes from God. These people in Romans 1 didn't use that, didn't see that, didn't want to do that. They gave God no glory for anything, thereby darkening their hearts toward God. He became futile. Could you imagine in your relationship with God as it stands right now? Think about your relationship with God as it stands right now and think about the idea of thinking as, of God as nothing in your life. Nothing in your life. Futile. It's useless. You know, we used to, I, I, I've been watching a lot of Star Trek lately and they say things like it's futile to resist. The Borg always says it's futile to resist means it's useless to resist because it's useless. They had said that they he had said that they had they had they had brought God down to futile thinking. He was useless. Is God useless to you and I? I hope not. I hope not. He's not useless to me. Claiming to be wise, they became fools. How many people know those people? Experts on nothing, but they think they're experts on everything. Claiming to be wise, they're actually fools. They became fools. They changed the glory of the incorruptible God into an image made like corruptible man, birds, four-footed beasts, and creeping things. We saw this picture... See, Romans 1 talks about, about this is something that mankind has dealt with since the beginning of time. If we look at the book of Exodus, when they're in the wilderness, when Moses went up to the mountain, they got angry with Moses and they started to, to want to wonder why Moses wasn't back. Where was Moses? Where was Moses? He was gone for 40, I believe it was 40 days. So they got upset about it. We're going to make our own God. They, they took all their gold and they melted it down and made a golden calf and worshipped that because in their mind, God was futile. So they created their own God and we do that every day. People do that every day. People, some people that are believers... When God says wait, they can't handle the wait. So then they try to do it themselves. Right? Some of us have known people that have been that way. Some of us have been that way. God, God says wait. 
Or maybe God says no, and maybe you want to do that which you want to do, and God says no or wait, and therefore you're not going to wait on God. God's futile. You don't care. You're going to, you're going to help God out and make it happen. Well, it doesn't happen right, does it? That's what the, that's what the Israelites were doing. They, 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 I believe, I believe, this is my own thinking, my own interpretation, my own speculation on the children of Israel. I believe they worshipped Moses more than they worshipped God. That's my own thinking because when Moses was gone long enough, they made their own God out of a, calf, out of a gold calf. And we do that every day. Maybe we don't cast gold calves anymore, but we put make ourselves a God and we say, you know what, I'm gonna I'm going to help God out here and get in hurry on this situation, this answer to prayer. Or if God says no, you're gonna say, Well, I don't I can't take no for an answer, God, I'm gonna do it anyway. And you're gonna have to bless it. We make ourselves gods, thereby putting God last and making him, in our mind, useless. And we cannot do that. To have a good relationship with God, to have a relationship with God that affects people and helps people and us to grow, God has to be first. God has to be first. Therefore, God gave them up to their uncleanness through their lust of their hearts to dishonor their own bodies among themselves. They turned the truth of God into a lie, worshiped and served the created rather than the creator who is blessed forever. Amen. Sooner or later, God is going to let you have what you want to have. Sounds like they're having a band concert down there. But, but I will tell you, God will sooner or later give you what you want. If you want this, want that, and you're going to go ahead and do whatever you, God doesn't want you to do, God's going to say, go ahead. We see that pictured in the prodigal son. The prodigal son bugged, bugged and bugged his father. Give me my inheritance. I want to go see the world. I don't want to stay on this farm I want to go see the world I want to live live life I want to live it up he bugged his father and bugged his father and guess what the father gave him it and said go what happened lost all of his money lost all of his clothes ended up in the pig pen which if you think about that he was a Jewish man in with the pigs which was a no-no in that culture and the fact that he wanted to eat what the pigs were eating was a huge no-no in that culture because they didn't, pigs were unclean. You could not, you could not be around pigs. You couldn't, you couldn't uh, work with pigs because of the fact that they were unclean. And the fact that he wanted to eat what the pigs were eating was a picture of how far he had gone. And God's going to give us what we want, even if it is against his will. We bug him enough, he's going to say, okay, you want that? Go. See how far you get. And we'll eventually, hopefully, see how far we have fallen. 
the prodigal son has seen, seen how far he fell, and he said, I don't want to be like this. Even the servants in my father's house have better food than this. They have clothes. They have places to stay. They have better food. I'll just go and be a servant. I'll go and be a hired hand. I don't have to be my father's son. I'll just be, I'll just be one of those guys. That's a picture of the prodigal. That's a picture of God saying, when he turns us over to our ways of thinking, our, our minds of lust, as it says in here, our uncleanness, it, he does that in the hopes that we will snap out of it and turn around. Romans 1, in this verse in the King James, says that God turned them over to their reprobate minds. Reprobate. That's a strong word. Reprobate mind. That's a fancy word for hooligan. Reprobate mind. Reprobate. Strong word. Strong word. But he does that in the hopes that we turn back to him. We turn back to him. And you know, I you know, and and there are some of us in here that think about that that have family members that, um, and have had family members that we feel God has turned them over to the reprobate mind and said, "You can just have your way, go ahead." But you know, God is bigger. God does those things for the idea and the hopes, and God knows anyway. But it's our hope that they come back to God. God knows whether they will or they won't, but God puts them to that situation to hopefully, in our mind, help them to snap out of that and turn back to God or turn to God. Because there's a point in every one of our lives, and there was a point in my life even, where I had to make a decision. What I was doing was not working. What I was doing was not working, and there was nothing, nowhere else to go. I was, at the time, there's rock bottom. I felt like I was buried under the rock bottom. But I had to be up. I had to go up. Sideways wasn't working. Up was the only way it was going to work. And God, in the hopes of doing what he does, for us, for the hopes that they will see that sideways does not work. Up is the only way. Up is the only way. God's desire is for you and I to, for us in this building, we know people that are in this situation. We've known people in this situation. It is up to us now to be equipped and encouraged to be the light in the darkness for those that are around us. You know, Dustin sat out here and he said a friend of his tried to commit suicide. That's a, that is a hard thing. That's a thing. That is the biggest epidemic with high school kids this day and age. And you know, what can change that is the knowledge that God loves them and God does not want them to take their own life. 
Nathan, you hear what I'm saying? You listen tight to this. One of the things that we, we need to understand is that kids today in age, there's bullies, there's all kinds of things that go on, and kids are made to feel worthless, and sometimes at home they're not made to feel any better. And therefore they feel that their only way out is to take their own life. It's not the only way out. Jesus is the answer. And I pray that Dustin can share that with her and has the boldness to do that. Because kids today need to know that somebody loves them. God loves them. Above everybody else, God loves them. And that's not the answer. Suicide is not the answer. Suicide is not the answer. God loves you even though you feel that no one else does. So I want you to understand, Nathan, that that is true. That that is true. Now, God gave them up to their unclean uncleanness through the lusts of their hearts. The lusts of their hearts. We have, we have different lusts. You know, a lot of people think of lust, they think of the, the lust of the uh, sexual sort. But there is, lust is in many different forms. We can lust after things. You know, we, we can lust after someone's money. We can lust after, and there's a thin line between lust and covetousness in that aspect. Covetousness is when we are trying to, when we want something someone else has. There's a thin line between lust and covetousness, and a lot of it is the, the reaction that we have toward it. Covetousness, we want it. Lust is like we have to have it, Okay? We still want it, but it's the degree of how much we want it, whether it's a lust or a covetousness issue. And we can lust after things. Just because we don't have a physical lust of, an, of, of the opposite sex or whatever the case might be, doesn't mean we don't have a lust problem. We can lust after having our own way. I've got to have my own way. I've got to have I've got to have in my way or it's no way. We can lust after things and vehicles and TVs and cars and electronics and technology and we can lust after that. We can lust after people. We can lust after relationships. We can lust after so much. So God sometimes gives us up to our Lusts. And sometimes when you have lusts with technology and lusts, of th you can run yourself into the ground financially, lose everything, lose everyone, and then you're at rock bottom and you have to make a decision where you're going to go, back to God or back to your hole in the ground. Hopefully you go back to God and not to your hole in the ground. But God gave them up. And if we push it hard enough, God will give us up. Say, you want to do this? Okay. Let's just see how it works for you. See in a while. God did that. 
And God's about to do it in this country, in this world again. But this time, it's going to be for good. God is, if you, if you look at this, if you look at Romans 1, you, see, you can see 2019 in Romans 1. You can see, you can see almost the, the recent decade in Romans 1, how people are and how people were and how people think. You can see it. You can see it in the recent decade and maybe even longer back farther than that. But God is about ready to say enough. He's either going to turn us back over to our own thinking, our own lusts, or he, or, or he is going to have to end it and, and rapture the church and pull us out and leave them. We know in the book of Revelation that's what happens. Jesus comes back, raptures the church, and the rest are left to deal with whatever. That's going to happen one day. Hopefully later than sooner so we can bring people to the Lord and help people to know how much the Lord loves them. But one day it will happen. And if it happens before I die, I want to be one that's going. I don't want to be the one that's staying. So we must always be ready. See, these are things that we need to guard against as people sitting in this building. We're the ones who I view, we try our best to get it right and we're trying to get it right. So these are things we need to guard against in our life. We need to guard against the covetousness, the lust, the, the putting God last, above, giving, giving God proper place, giving God's word proper place, giving prayer time proper place, giving church time proper place. That's how we get it right. That's how we get it right. If we're putting any of that ahead of anything else, if we're putting anything else ahead of that, we're starting to not get it right. See, it doesn't happen overnight. <clears throat> it's maybe, uh, well, I'm too tired to go to church today, or maybe, you know, I was out too late last night, or maybe, you know, I'm, I got people coming over today, or I got... Sometimes it starts like that. And then pretty soon, the farther you stay away, the more you stay away, the easier it is to stay away. You know, I used to say this all the time. I think I said it here, you know, before. You know, imagine that God is on this side and your old life is on this side. Now, if God is proper in your life, when something from your old life comes up, you walk toward God and you say, no, I'm going to give it to God and I'm going to walk away. But if your old life is ahead in your walk with God, if God is second, if something from your old life comes up, friends, family, drinking, whatever it might be, you're more apt when God says, you need to come back to me. You're more apt to go this way to your old life because that's what's comfortable. That's what's, that's what's natural. And the more you stay away from God, the more this old life becomes natural and the life with God becomes foreign. But the more you stay with God, the more this life is natural and your old life is foreign. 
And we need to be those kind of people, that God is natural to us. God's word, God's people, God's presence is natural. It's part of who we are. It's who we are. Christianity is not what we believe. It's who we are. That's where we have to be. And then this becomes foreign. Our old life becomes foreign, and God becomes second nature, natural to us. Not the sold life. And when we can get to there, then we're getting it right. And we will be ones that will be bringing people like what's in Romans 1 to the Lord. We need to be bringing people like in Romans 1 to the Lord. So many people look at Romans 1 and say, we have to shun these type of people. Jesus never said that. Jesus never said that. We are to bring those type of people to the Lord. Be a witness. Be an encouragement. Be a friend. We need to bring those people to the Lord. And the only way we're going to do that is by being here in God, making it a natural way of life and being foreign to this. Because then we're going to this situation with the mind of Christ and the eyes of God. And we're seeing people as God sees them and not as we see them. You see, there's a difference. We need to be seeing people as God sees them. Amen? And that includes people that we know, friends, workmates, family members, whatever the case we're to see them as God sees them. And the only way we're going to do that is by making the will and the nature of God our nature. And making it like part of who we are, second nature to us, and the old life being foreign. Does that make sense? Now, this is not something that's easy. So I have a challenge for you this week. One of those challenges, or the challenge, is to, when you go before God in your special time with God in your word and prayer time, I hope you have the, that, ask God to give you the ability to see people through his eyes and to give, him, give you his mind, the mind and nature of God. So that you can, you can see others through his eyes, how he sees them. Because what we see with our eyes, we might see someone who's a reprobate, who's a, who's, who's a problem, who's a jerk, who's this, that. But what does God see? You see, that's what we want to tap into. What does God see of this person? And that's where we need to try to, try to allow God to show us that kind of mentality. Amen? Let's go before the Lord in prayer. Father, we thank you today for this word. Thank you for your presence. Thank you for your grace. Thank you for your mercy. Lord, I just pray that you would bless and minister to us. Help us, Lord, to see others as, Lord, you would want us to, want us to see them through your eyes and through your mind. Father, be with us today. Give us strength today and strength this week 
and be with us by your Spirit. In Jesus' name, amen. The very grace of God. That same grace can bring loved ones to the Lord just like it brought you and I to the Lord. So this week, focus on God. Ask Him to be that which you, you need Him to be, to show you how others are in His eyes and how, what He sees so that we see with the mind of Christ and the eyes of Christ and we bless others, amen? I pray that God would bless you this week. He'd give you grace and mercy and, he'd be, and He would be that which you need Him to be. Amen.